Hello and welcome back to the Villa Villa podcast. I'm here once again, my good friend Dan Wiseman. Dan, how are you doing tonight, mate? Mate, very, very good. And it feels nice to say that again because the last two times we've come on, it hasn't, well, the last three of you, you know, include that little reaction video that we did, haven't been as quite as happy coming on the podcast as I'd like to have been for tonight. No such problem, mate. Dreamland yet again. And listen, obviously, Aston Villa, three, Arsenal nil at the Emirates. Completely deserved performance, I think we must say, right at the top of the podcast. Uh, obviously, last season, going to the Emirates, we felt quite hard done by leaving away, you know, on, on the back of a defeat. We, uh, we lost that game 3-2. I think we were ultimately the architects of our own downfall there. But this time, Villa have managed to uh, get rid of the mistakes that were in that game, get rid of the mistakes that were in the Southampton and Leeds game. And we saw a really complete performance across both halves. In the first game, obviously, Dan, straight away, John McGinn scores. I've tweeted about it. You've tweeted about it from the account. It, it seemed like a totally legitimate goal. But in today's age, obviously, we, we do have VAR to deal with. And especially if you've been watching all the other Premier League games today, you'll know that there's been two or three questionable decisions throughout those games. And this was one of them. It was, for me, a legitimate goal, ruled out. But Dan, first of all, give me your thoughts on that because... Obviously, after that, things get better. So let's let's open up with the word. <laughs> yeah, let's get this out of the way, mate. Yeah. Uh, well, look, it, it was one of those where, um, you know, and I tweeted this myself, and I said that I've said this on podcasts previously, whereby we needed to start quickly in that game. Yeah. And we had to because that we didn't do it against Leeds, and we didn't do it against Southampton, and we didn't do it against Leicester, and we cut away with it in that game. And we sort of managed to grind out a victory, but in both halves, and we'll come on to the second half a little later, we came flying out of the traps. And that was really impressive to see because it's been a long time since we did that. Um, and starting, you know, the Liverpool game is, as I said, a bit of a caveat and that's a footballing anomaly of all kinds. But we came flying out the traps today, 45 seconds. It was a great goal. Um, you know, Grealish feeds McGinn, who shrugs off Lacazette and with his left foot, it's an absolute cannon past Leno. I didn't see, you know, you know, the shot was so quick. I didn't even see Barkley in the frame. Like the ball was just literally left McGinn's foot and it was in the net. And look, you know, it's one of those whereby Gary Neville actually said something similar in the commentary for the, you know, the Liverpool Man City game for the handball on Joe Gomez, um, whereby he said he doesn't think it's a handball. Like he never thought that was a handball. But if you're looking at it with your 2020 specs on, like it is like you know in today's footballing day and age it's a penalty and it's one of those whereby McGinn's goal is a fair and square goal but like if you're looking at it to the ninth like to the 11th degree with all this offside and like Barkley is in an offside position that can't be debated I don't think he's fully obstructing Leno's view but probably partially regardless he's not going to save it you know, Leno, you know, you could have two Lenos in that goal and it's still a goal from again. But yeah, I, you know, you can, well, as you say, looking at it with your 2020 21 season specs on, you can see why it's been ruled out. But it was so harsh, wasn't it, mate? And it was such a great goal as well. It was. That's the thing as well. Like to, to come, come off the Southampton game where we've lost in a disappointing manner, but, you know, we managed to come back in that second half and, and have a bit of self-respect, you know, leaving the pitch there, scoring the three goals in that half. We instantly carried that performance over into this next game. And, and straight away, you're setting the tone. 43 seconds, and we've gone one up with an absolute rocket. The thing for me is Leno does watch 
the track, like the flight of the ball. So he clearly, his, his, whilst Barkley was perhaps obstructing his vision on his left-hand side, where John McGinn is and the ball is, he has a perfect sight of that. And the argument, listen, I was, uh, Jack Cudworth, who, you know, a former writer, r- replied to me saying he's obstructing his view, but I'm sorry, if, if McGinn is putting that on the other side, then it's going straight in Barkley's face anyway. So it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> the only way John McGinn scores is doing exactly what he did. And there's no stopping it from that. Now. But regardless of that, Arsenal probably hold a bit of a different uh, challenge for Villa coming into this game, Dan, because, you know, we spoke about it in the preview, how important Thomas Partey is and, and, and was for Arsenal, not only in the game with Manchester United, but since he's come in, he's revolutionised the game. He's this... Uh, unique box-to-box midfielder who has uh, pretty much all of the attributes you want your midfielder to have. I, I want to liken him to Yaya Torre in that sense because a lot of people would probably have mm-hmm. as a six, but mm-hmm. the way he's no, so elegant and skillful on the ball and uh, likes to get forward, which we saw plenty of in the first half. We said you said last week, Dan, that it, the the battle was going to be won in the midfield, and the first half it I'd say it was it was you know fairly even 50-50. Partey was uh, he he was he was just doing himself really you know it, it, anyone who has watched Atletico Madrid over the past few years knows what he's about and uh, I thought he put himself about really effectively so I was questioning why he came off at half time for Danny Ceballos I'm assuming it may have been injury related because performance he was arguably Arsenal's best player um, but Villa did win that battle in the midfield throughout the game and there were sustained periods of pressure for you know 15 20 minutes by Arsenal. Uh, especially in the first half, where they had a few chances. But it was Trezeguet, again, who stood up, made himself counted for Dan, appeared at the back post, as he always does. And obviously, the ball came off Saka. Unfortunately, Trace can't claim that one. Dubious goals department not allowing that. <laughs> it was really important as well, because it would have been so easy for Villa to have uh, lost the confidence after the, the goal getting disallowed. But, you know, we kept at it, Dan. It was a brilliant run from target. He held the line well put it to the back post and Trez is just always going to be there. Yeah, well, look, it, it was really nice. Arsenal were growing into the game by that point. And I like what you say there about Thomas Partey because I feel like when he was brought into Arsenal and because Arsenal had sort of been hunting for a six for a few years, he kind of got labelled with this sort of destroyer tag. Like he was at the sort of a, a base of a three, breaks up play, sort of a Casemiro type. He's not. He's far more elegant like that. He's a brilliant two-way midfielder. And and he was showing that, you know, McGinn almost laid on a very tidy assist to him, you know, just after that that call. And and it was almost a real hero to zero moment for John. Um, But Emmy was was quick on that one. And I think the Emmy angle is something we do need to touch on a little bit later. Um, But the goal was really nice. It quickly became apparent that we would need to be effective on the counter if we were going to get anything from that game, in the first half anyway. Because Arsenal were starting to, to grow as the home team and started to dictate and control the midfield. And we broke. And what's interesting was this was a real... I think it's useful to compare last season's performance at the Emirates to this one and the things that were different in each. And so one of the things that I, I picked up on was the decision-making, which really let us down because we only scored two goals in that, you know, the last season's game at the Emirates we conceded three which is a whole different issue but we could have scored so many more yeah we, you know the decision making at points was really poor and we broke away and Grealish and Barkley we proed we waited for the right opportunity target makes an inside run 
it's a really nice ball slipped into him. And that, that feed across the box is, is just begging for someone to get in. I mean, even the end, Bukayo Saka couldn't resist getting on the end of it. That's how good that cross was. Um, it's Trezeguet's goal, by the way. I know it, I know Bukayo Saka touches it in. I know it's legitimately a known goal, but obviously, literally sitting here with current on, I'm going to call that Trezeguet's because the least he deserved tonight was a goal. And there's so much I want to talk about on this podcast, but just quickly... Trezeguet's performance was absolutely amazing tonight and it's just yet another demonstration of, of how much he's come on in the last few months. It, he not only, like, it's not even like he's improved, like, he looks like a completely different player and I actually tweeted this off the account. He's now legitimately deserving of being called Trezeguet. I now think he's parallel to David Trezeguet who used to play for France, scored the winner at the Euros, like, that peak sort of, like, I was like, how, like, last season I was like, look at me, I'm like, Dan, you're doing David Trezeguet dirty, like, you can't reference yourself as this then, but no, I'm going to, like, he has stepped up to the plate and is performing on a level that I think is really setting the tone for Villa at the moment. I think how hard he works um, is is really, you know, a, a benchmark for, for all the other players to live up to, and I, I think they're doing that, and what won't get talked about is there was a moment in the first half where Bellerin drove in from the right wing and put that ball across. It went past target, went past Mings. And then there was Trezeguet out of nowhere, underneath Concert and Cash to dribble the ball out of the, um, out of the box. He's going to get all the plaudits for what he did going forward tonight. But Trez put an absolute shift in and it was a great goal. And it's such a shame that it won't be awarded to him. Absolutely. You've got to be in it to win it. And that's what, you know, that's it counts for Trez. That's all I'm saying. Def. Taxes, tries to get the back post. <laughs> good tweet. He's, good tweet. He knows. He knows. He's look. He's, he's. I don't want to say looks, but you know, if he, he he occupies the space so intelligently, and it's. Uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, you know, criticize any other players in any other position, but that's a real kind of uh, actual centre forward mentality. Not necessarily a winger. Uh, you know, they don't necessarily have that killer instinct all the time, especially uh, if you know. Dare I compare? Trezeguet to, you know, Mane, Salah, players like that who are these uh, interchangeable kind of inside forwards. They have that killer instinct and uh, we're seeing Trezeguet develop that and it's really good. And listen, after the first goal, Dan, I don't want to say it could have gone both ways, but obviously Arsenal uh, had to come out and uh, w- with a response and there was a few passes, there was a few balls put into the box, eventually dealt with well by Villa, going into the half-time at 1-0. It was massive because, you know, especially if we put that in the, into context with how poor the last, let's say, 120 minutes against Leeds and Southampton were, Villa to be leading in this situation, very, very important. And the second half did not disappoint. Instantly came out, set the tone with the high press, keeping Arsenal's, def- Arsenal's defenders pegged in, in their own half. Uh, after that, yeah, they kind of came into the game a bit more. But what's impressive, Dan, as well, is obviously, as we alluded to earlier, Ceballos came on for Partey in that midfield at halftime in the first switch. And then they make a double substitution at around the 70-minute mark. At this point, yeah, we've, we've said on the podcast before, we've criticised Dean for his substitutions and that. But Villa were playing in a way where we had, we'd forced Arteta to play all of his cards. His, you know, his chips were down, his cards were on the table. And Aston Villa still found a way of overcoming uh, what is arguably a superior side you know you look man for man pound for pound which if the Leeds fans are listening please don't get triggered this Arsenal <laughs> squad is obviously going to be miles and miles better in the head of Aston Villas but we, we we responded in such a way Dan and even you know when they did make them two changes uh, you know we saw Pepe and Nketiah come on 
and there was a, a you know a sort of sustained pressure for about 15 20 minutes Villa ended up riding that out and for me I think that's what's probably even more important than the fact we scored the two extra goals definitely mate definitely I think one thing that I was really impressed with was we defended really resolutely and we had this really nice 4-4-2 setup when we were defending whereas the, the two was was Grealish and Barkley Ollie dropped into the left Trez was on the right you then had Duggan McGinn and it was so well drilled one thing I'd be really interested to look into and it's a shame we're not recording this you know we're obviously recording this on the night of the, of the victory one thing is I'd like to look into when all the stats get published and stuff uh, you know once they've all been calculated is the sort of average pass direction and the amount of forward passes by each team because Arsenal could not break us down and originally I didn't actually think that Partey was an enforced change I thought because Arsenal were just doing a lot of sort of Crossing from deep, which is something that they're very good at. They're very strong on the wings, but sort of is a sign of desperation when you can't, you're not getting any luck through the middle. You sort of drop a little bit deeper back and try those those crosses. And when you've got the front three that they do, it's, it's a perfectly, perfectly legitimate way of attacking. And it almost worked for Lacazette, yeah. who, who headed over at the, the end of the first half. But Arsenal couldn't break that down. And Partey for Ceballos was a change where I thought, okay, that's Arteta. You know, before I knew it was an injury, that's Arteta. Just trying to find someone who is perhaps a little bit better at splitting the lines, is a little bit more diminutive, more playmaker type, um, and and would be able to pick the lock, so to speak. Um, It was obviously an enforced change, but Villa was so resolute and we countered so well. And the second goal... Is, is just absolutely masterful. Um, it, it really is. And I think Douglas won't get enough credit for his role in that goal, but the pick-out, the, isn't it? Isn't it? The pick-out from him to Barkley, and then the technique from Barkley is so difficult to, to watch that come over. You, you know, he's, he's got the, the, I think it's Hetzel Bellerin, right in his face, to watch that ball come over onto his left foot hit that on the side foot, straight up, like an arrow, straight across goal. Um, and then again, that, that is where you, you're going to find Ollie Watkins countless times this season is is in the 18-yard box, where it matters most. He's, he's a great finisher and, and he gets it over the line. And I was really happy for him because I didn't... It's hard to say, but you know, without I, I sound hypercritical, don't I? Like, but I didn't want the wait for because obviously he's only scored in that one game, the Liverpool game, and was amazing, amazing hat trick. So if you're going to do it in one game, do it like that. But I didn't want that wait for the the next lot of goals to come too late. Like I thought, if he went another ninety, he was ab- pretty absent against Leicester. Then he wasn't great against Leeds. Then he wasn't great against Southampton. You're like, okay, like you need a goal now, and then bang. He comes up with that right place, right time. It was a brilliant goal, mate. It really was. And it's it's so intelligent. And, you know, I tweeted this during the game. You get what you pay for. And, you know, the £32 million for Ollie Watkins is looking like a bargain as the minutes go by, especially with goals like that coming in quick succession. It's, it's having, as you say, that kind of 18-yard box striker. That's what Villa need to take them to the next level. We had Wes, who was this... Uh, you know, I, I hate to, to plague him with a label of a number nine, but that's ultimately the way we played. And, and at times we still do play up to Ollie Watkins, uh, which we shouldn't do. We absolutely shouldn't. But a player like Wes, with his physicality, not necessarily as quick off the mark, 
He's gonna, you know, it, it's about positioning for them. And, and and do you know what? It's the same with Watkins, but it's the runs he makes. It's the timing of the runs. It's knowing exactly where to be. And uh, I, I think I've said this before, but that extra year in the championship, playing centre forward for Brentford, has done him the world of good because it may have been a, a year too early for Ollie Watkins last season to make that step up in the Premier League. He needed the twenty-six goals. He needed to learn his trade as a centre forward, which he still is very much so doing. But in that third goal, I think, you know, for me, that just shows you how clinical the man is. Uh, the, the kind of the slide ball pass from, from Grealish after Bellerin tried to body him. Uh, the ball from Emmy to, to set Jack up for the secondary assist is yeah. wonderful. And seeing Jack cruise down that left wing as he did in the last fixture, which set up big ways, you know, it, it, was, it was quite a similar goal um, in, in that respect. And listen, it was... Uh, an instinctive finish. It's the kind of goal you look at and, uh, you know, you expect Jamie Vardy to score something like that. The pass was on for Ross, but obviously he's a striker. He's going to take that on himself. We can't be grudging for that. Scoring a brace. Hopefully he's in the team of the week. And, I mean, he's just such a special player. I'm, I'm so happy we've, you know, Dean's got his man. We've got our man. And we, we've laboured this point so many times. But as you say, Dan, it's very easy for goal droughts to come. You've just got to look at, who was, you know, leading the line for Arsenal on the other end. Alexander Lacazette is a man devoid of confidence. Arteta has him in and out of the starting lineup, And to have him up front leading the line, listen, he's always going to be a threat. I wasn't too worried. He obviously had the, the one or two chances from the balls that were crossed in. But ultimately, you know, with Ollie, we've got a player who is full of confidence. It's probably just as well he scored that penalty against Southampton as well. Because as you say, you do get worried when strikers go on these goalless droughts. But I believe that's now his sixth goal of the season, uh, mm. which you know definitely puts him in the upper echelons of top scorers. Obviously, at the moment, I think it's Vardy and Calvert Lewin who are both on eight, which is uh, you know very impressive. So it's great to see that the, the English boys are, are doing bits near the top of the table uh, in this weird season. And uh, I just want to throw it back to you, Dan. Obviously, you alluded to earlier how. Arsenal really struggled to break us down. And what's really interesting in looking at the statistics is, is Villa actually had less possession, which is always going to be expected when you're playing away from home. It's the passes for me that really highlight how effective Villa were because Arsenal, Arsenal, well, Arsenal had 705 touches and made 535 passes throughout the, the full 90 minutes. And Villa, significantly lower, 376 passes with 544 touches. Now, Dan, that to me suggests that one, as we know, Villa like to carry the ball that bit further, obviously with players like Jack Grealish, Ross Barkley, Trezeguet. We have dribblers in the side, but also, as you alluded to earlier, it's more efficiency from Villa. Well, mate, you've only got to look at um, um, Just remind me of how many, how many passes Arsenal made? Uh, Arsenal made 535 compared to 326 for Villa. Well, you know, way more than 500 passes for Arsenal and all of those passes produced two shots on target. Yeah. That's a, that tells you all you need to know, mate. You know, they, they have the lion's share of possession. I think 58.7% possession for the Arsenal tonight, two shots on target. Jack Grealish had five, um, yeah. five shots in the game. I mean, Arsenal, you know, we just outworked them. You know, we weren't... Five more aerials, seven more tackles. We, you know, we dispossessed them seven times. It was a two a man. The work rate was absolutely excellent. I, and I can't floor anyone. We were asking for the best John McGinn back. We got him. Yeah, and, that, and that's something that John McGinn 
because Ollie, Ollie Watkins is at the double. Jack was just a maestro yet again. Um, all of these different things, the Emmy Martinez angle, how good the back line was. It might get looked over, but John McGinn and Douglas Louise were absolutely excellent tonight. Uh, and they really set the tone for that bit of performance in terms of how we counted it and the, the precision and the, how clinical we looked. I mean, Arsenal are this team, which is you know, managed by Mikel Arteta, who I think is well on his way to becoming an elite level manager. I love what he's done with Arsenal in such a short space of time. Yeah. Um, and we've come into their backyard against this side, which is an emerging top four team and played them off the park. In every aspect, we worked harder, we looked more clinical, we were ta more tactically better drilled, we were better defensively. All of these different elements, it was such a more complete and well-rounded performance than what Arsenal could offer. And I think that that really bodes well. The challenge now is is to do this on a consistent basis, which is, a, you know, a, a completely different matter. And, you know, we've got to remove the Leeds performance and the first half performance against Southampton from you know we need to produce and it's going to be so difficult and like, I don't expect it but I don't want to see this sort of up and down in the in the form tables like we need to set a benchmark now we know that we can play this well we've seen against Arsenal we've seen against Leeds we've seen it against Fulham we can go and play this well we just need it regularly and this was such a great performance mate and I loved watching it and that third goal was really the icing on the cake and now I can finally get my chance to again on this part. Lyrical about Jack Greenish. <laughs> I love doing this. <laughs> it's what the podcast is about, Dan. Uh, for sure, man. For sure. Like he picks up the ball in like his just on the edge of his R area, runs virtually the length of the pitch, shrugs off Bellerin, which you know it says a lot because the strength of Jack Grealish doesn't really get talked about but he shrugs off Bellerin and then the weight of the pass into Ollie Watkins is superb and then the finish is just annoying it's, it's magnificent for Mali but all the credit is going to go for that goal to, to Jack and rightly so um, I think right now he is the best performing player in the Premier League absolutely there's a and case I'm, for the top five in, in Europe as well but definitely mate like, you know, like, I'm not, like, you know, if you're talking on paper, all, all that sort of stuff, like, you've got your, your Mane's and De Bruyne's and, and they're in an elite band. But if you're talking a player who this season is sorry, performing on a game-by-game -game basis, who is pr providing goals and assists and dragging his team to victories, every, well, not victories, but to results, even in the games where we're not, you know, look at last week against Southampton, the performance he goes and puts in in the second half, dragging Villa to what was almost a pretty remarkable comeback. I don't think there is a player in the Premier League that is performing, maybe bar Harry Kane, that is performing on a, such a regular basis uh, as Jack Grealish is. And it's it's not like, you know, we're playing minnows anymore. Like we're playing, he's going to the big boys now. He's yeah. going to the Arsenal's and, and he's doing it against teams like that. And um, that, that third goal was was just absolutely outrageous, mate. The boy just guys with the ball. Um, it's, it's another great assist. And uh, my fantasy team is is not doing very well at the moment, mate, I must say. But uh, Jack Greenish on the left wing is um, is keeping yeah. me afloat. So props to you. I had Ollie Watkins on the bench. Of course. Got to put this. Wow. Took him out. For Arsenal, I couldn't too much before kickoff. I didn't think we were going to get a result, mate. Benched Ollie Watkins, terrible decision, but you know, I'm not even mad about that tonight. Jack Grealish, what a player! And that third goal was excellent.
absolutely and listen it's hugely important that you know huge result we've got brighton at home next week albeit very lackluster game for them on pay-per-view against uh, Burnley, a nil-nil draw. Uh, Brighton were probably uh, deserved of the three points if they were available. Obviously, with Burnley, you know what you're going to get. They are uh, relatively solid, albeit having a very poor season. Um, but listen, Brighton are going to be very tough. The results haven't matched the performances from Brighton. It's going to be incredibly tough. And listen, I think Dan and I will come back with another podcast to break that down a bit more, this is more of a instant match reaction from the Arsenal game. And listen, Dan, I, I don't, I, I don't even want to ask you who the man of the match would be because I think there's, there's shouts for at least seven players. Trezeguet <laughs> was fantastic. Barkley was fantastic. It must have meant so much for Emmy, especially after the comments that Arteta made in the week, uh, saying you know he, he doesn't regret the decision to sell him. Uh, I, I felt he was quite abrasive about that, considering Emmy is not only a former teammate, but, you know, former uh, being the manager. I just don't expect someone to, to kind of come out like that. Obviously, he's not going to say, oh, you know, I regret selling him and that. But uh, Emmy is definitely, you know, walking off the pitch, a very happy man. He's left. He's getting his regular football. He's kept a clean sheet against the club he's been at for over 10 years. So much to be happy about <laughs> regarding Aston Villa right now, Dan. And obviously... We're sat sixth in the Premier League again. You know, we're, we're climbing back up. We're above the like Man City. We're above Arsenal. We're only below Chelsea on goal difference. Uh, and, and, and that speaks volumes, Dan. And obviously, it's early doors. But here we are. We're doing bits. We are uh, in Europa League position. It's uh, That's a good note to end the podcast on. Run that back. Run it back. <laughs> All of that again. The plane tickets. It's Spain next year for the, for the Europa League. Get there. We're going to be there for the final. But listen... Uh, a fantastic performance from Villa and Dan as always it is a pleasure speaking with you especially when we have the delight of talking about a massive Villa win um, but if you guys did enjoy this podcast please do hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube if you are watching on Anchor Spotify Apple Podcasts whatever your preferred podcast listening app is please do leave a review because that really helps and if you do listen to them It'd be great if you could come onto the YouTube channel and comment that you listen on that because it's great to see how many of you guys do uh, engage and stuff on the different platforms. It helps us out a lot. The last podcast didn't do too well. I think that's because I think I released it at something like half past midnight, so that's my fault. But, you know, a lot of you guys enjoyed it, so that's all that matters to us guys here at Heart of the Holt, that you guys enjoy what we're saying. Obviously, you don't have to agree with us. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> still in the comments. Uh, we can't shake them off, but... Listen, here we are. If you did enjoy, obviously, subscribe, comment your thoughts below on the game, uh, and stay safe, villains. Up the villa. Chest is essential. The ball filling this got potential. It's the main man, the hero. He's the main leader of the gang. Chest up. He's the main leader of the gang.